0: Welcome to The Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, March 14th. I have to start today's show with an apology to all of you listeners. As you can tell on your podcast feeds, we did not have any episodes of the Mini break podcast for all of you listeners last week that is an unforced error on our part here at crack records when we sincerely apologize for the truth is after all of these years four and a half of them of podcasting of broadcasting of doing just about everything i have ever asked of it my laptop finally staged a mutiny i couldn't overcome it said alex we are done listening to your voice we're ready to rest for a little bit of time as such it has moved over into its retirement stage of life. But, you know, normally that's something we can overcome here at Crack Rackets because super producer Daniel Westoff and I here at CRHQ, one of the benefits of living together is he is always there to help me out, always there to solve all of my technical issues. He was not at CRHQ over the past week. He was down in Louisville as the Westoff family has welcomed a new member to its team. We are so excited. To announce that Abel Westoff was born last week, healthy young boy, and of course, congratulations to the Westoff family. We are very much looking forward to watching Abel compete at Wimbledon someday soon. But of course, as such, no super producer Daniel Westoff, no laptop made it impossible for us to have any podcasts here. And believe me, that crushed me over the course of the last week, as there has been so much exceptional action happening really across levels in the tennis world. And we have been fortunate enough to be able to talk about some of the college action that's occurred. Of course, we broadcast every Friday, all the SEC action happening across the country. Every Sunday, we're broadcasting Big Ten play. We have our Deciding Point episodes Tuesday and Thursday over on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. But we have Indian Wells going on right now first half of the sunshine swing has officially begun and we've yet to discuss it here at crack rackets that is something we are ready to rectify here on today's show and so what we are going to do to make up for the lack of podcasts to all of you listeners it's going to be two mini break podcasts monday we're going to break down everything that's happened Over the first few days at Indian Wells, talk about all the men's action, all the women's action, all the storylines that have unfolded both on and off the court as well. And if you're going to do that, you better have some superstar guests lined up to help you navigate it all. And thankfully, that's exactly what I've got for all of you listeners here today and joining me on our first show is a man you know best as a co-host of one of your favorite series here at Crack racket at our Tennis Point Tuesdays. Of course, he's our point man, no pun intended, for all things Tennis Point. man who's looking damn good after spending a few weeks in that, in a few weeks, excuse me, a few days in that Indian Wells Sun. It's our man, Nate Walrath. Nate, welcome back to the show, my guy. How are you doing today?
1: what's up my man doing great um i wish it was for a few weeks but uh no we made the most of our few days out in indian wells it was a lot of fun just to, it was actually my first tournament outside of the western and southern um that i got to get to so no me and colleen and i made the trip uh so just it was i mean it was beautiful 70 degrees clear skies the best tennis players in the world um you can't ask for much more so uh, we we uh yeah, I mean, me and her were just, like, in awe of, like, is this place real life? Uh, like, do people actually live li- live here or what? So, no, it's like you get so close to these players. And, um, yeah, it's, like, it, it's, it's even way cooler in person and, like, visually than it looks on TV. That place is just – I strongly recommend everybody takes uh, one one summer visit to uh, Palm Springs.
0: So, you there's a little <laughs> nugget there that you buried the lead. That was your first non-Cincinnati pro tennis tournament.
1: Yeah, I'm not like I've been to challengers, a like couple of challengers sure. here and there, like. Columbia, but uh, first ATP, WTA, non-challenger event besides Western So that Minnesota, was fascinating. Is- so give
0: me, talk me through the differences. I think this is a topic that a lot of our listeners it will resonate with because I'll be honest, I've been to Cincinnati, which is my favorite. Uh, I went to the City Open, which might also actually be my favorite because it was incredible. I'm a big fan of Washington D.C., the city. Have I been to any other pro events? Those might be the only two. Uh, I mean, I've been there in spirit, certainly, but in terms of (laughs) on the ground while the event is ongoing. Yeah. I think those are my two. So what, talk me through the differences. Other than the fact that one's in Cincinnati and the other's in Indian Wells.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the big thing for sure. As far as the actual venue goes, I mean, Indian Wells is, I mean, it's extremely nice. It's top of the line. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful real estate. The mountain backdrop is breathtaking. It looks like you're looking at a computer desktop screensaver. Um, all of that stuff is. I mean, the, how the how the layout is set up for the practice courts is amazing. It gives you a vantage point as a fan to kind of stand above and look down at multiple courts. They have the big green, like the the most luscious green lawn ever, where all the uh, the racket bag checks are uh, done. So you get to kind of, it's kind of weird because you get to stand above the players and like look down and people are just taking pictures kind of creepily, just like creeping on these people, stretching out. And it's like, if you're talking to the players, that's one thing. But if you're just like sitting there with your phone or your camera while these players are with their camps, I find it like it's a little bit like zoo-like, I feel like, where it's just like, I don't know. But it's an interesting place to go. The, The environment, the atmosphere, I went for Monday through Thursday. So maybe that wasn't the ideal time for where, I mean, obviously it's not the uh, quarter. Monday through Thursday, you were there for qualifying. Yeah. And then the first two rounds. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's like the environment, it was, the atmosphere was kind of dead. Like, I mean, curious at one point hit a return off a of Tiafo first serve with the handle of his racket. He grabbed <laughs> the racket from, from the frame, ripped the backhand return for a winner off a of first serve from Tiafo. He tried it like five times on the fifth time he connects like, just right on the, like, a baseball bat. And he squares it up, squares it up, rips it back, and all you hear is, like, and Kyrgios is, like, what the is going on? He's, like, are you guys not impressed with that? He's, like, that was insane. Yeah. He's, like, "He's like that was insane, man. He's, like, can you guys get up a little bit? And it's just, like, the fact that he had to ask the crowd, there was, like, 2,000 fans watching Tiafoe and Kyrios warm up. And a few measly claps were let out after one of the most ridiculous shots I've ever seen. So I was a little bit bummed with that aspect of it. Everything else, unbelievable. Like the the, the tennis, the food, the, the venue, um, just the intimacy of how close you can get to these players. Literally everything else, unbelievable. I, I have a hard time believing there's many places uh, that can top that.
0: No, you're definitely... It definitely. So a couple of things there in terms of the photos on top of the people, the word intrusive comes to mind. It just feels like you're intruding on on everything these players are doing. And that's definitely not something uh, that you want to be doing as a fan. The second thing I would mention, though, is to the curio shot. Anyone who's played tennis, particularly if you played it for a while and, you know, you were three or four training sessions a week, whatever it was when you're younger, there was going to be a five minute stretch where you tried to do that, where you flip the racket and you tried to hit it with the handle or the butt, whatever you want to call it. And to connect on one for a winner down the line, I don't think I ever have. Like I've connected. Don't get me wrong. Like eventually you square, but I don't think I've ever hit one squarely. You went during the tame days, like qualifying first two rounds. Those are definitely the calm before the storm, but you got to get up for that.
1: You got to get up. I mean, anybody that wants to see the video, I got it on my phone. I I can slow it up for you to see how square this was. It's not the best angle, but no, I mean, I also got to see the Carlos uh, Rafa practice match uh, front row. I didn't move for like two hours. That was probably the most fun tennis maybe that I've ever seen in my life. Um, The intensity that those guys came out with for that session, the focus – um just how much fun those guys were having there was people trying to leak in from every other practice court people were watching from other practice courts just like standing up and looking over it was just like i mean you see it at all these events but that practice match the young spaniard there's 18 look with a 35 year old legend i mean just the whole thing you had the, you had juan carlos ferrero and carlos moya and all these crazy coaches out there um uh, we actually we had we had a little viral clip uh, that went on tennis tv from that event so that was cool, um, but no. Then we had—I mean, it's like it's ridiculous. You have Medvedev, Carlos practicing the next day. Um, you had Rafa versus Sitsipas practicing. You had Medvedev, Berrettini practicing. Azarenka, um, Bedosa right next to him. It is just like it's a tennis paradise, and that's why they, I mean, I guess that's why where it gets the name.
0: Yeah, it's properly named, is what you're telling me. Yeah, that's funny. I it's, like that. Yeah. All right, better food, Cincinnati Indian Wells.
1: Oh. Okay, I had Indian Wells. Oh,
0: Indian Wells. that is yeah. – are you going to be welcome back to Cincinnati now? I don't now?
1: know. I, I, okay, I don't – yeah. No, here's the tough. thing,
0: because there's a it's broad tough. selection at in Cincinnati. But I just want to know, I'm sure the Indian Wells version of that is just like, A, a lot of fresh fish, and B, delicious.
1: Less options at Indian Wells, but, boy, do they hit on the options that they have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's the price point. If you want to talk about bang for your buck, maybe you're going. I'm going to swing back to Cincinnati. But if we're just saying this is on the uh, company budget and we're going to let loose <laughs> a little bit, you, you, you got to let it rip with the Indian Wells food a little bit. You got, yeah, it's, yeah that's it's, what, it's a lot of good food out there. That's
0: what I like to hear. Well, speaking of the company <laughs> budget, we can replenish that now by, of course course, pointing out that if you are a tennis player, if you are a tennis fan and you're looking to update your equipment, there's only one place to turn to a that with our friends at Tennis Point. You go to tennis-point.com. Right now, you will find all of the latest gear at all of the greatest prices, of course, at checkout because, let's be honest, once you go to the website, you're going to need to purchase something. You're going to want to use our promo code CR15. When you do, you'll get 15% off all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders, exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, tennis-point.com. That promo code is... CR15 tennis the promo code is CR15 with all that said Nate obviously you got to have some fun in Indian Wells as well Uh, but talk to me about what you guys were doing out there talk to me about the latest and greatest happenings at Tennis Point.
1: Uh, Yeah so I mean first off one of the things that I wanted to do is kind of see what our brand awareness was on the west coast Um, you know Tennis Point obviously bought out midwest about eight months ago entering the U.S. market Um, since then we They've acquired Tennis Express, who will keep their name. So they've, they've made some moves, but I was like, what is the awareness of Team Yellow on the West Coast of this country? And to my surprise, I mean, um, it was – there's a lot of opportunity, which I think is a good thing. And the few people that I think that really knew what Tennis Point was, I loved kind of hearing where how they knew about us. And we had a few uh, Cracked Rackets shout-outs. Like, are, are you on that podcast with Crack Rackets? And I was like, wow, yeah, that's that, that's me sometimes. I was like, that's – so that, that was really cool. And that was more of the younger fans, uh, like, you know, the hitting partners or the ball kids. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, that, was, that was one thing that I was focused on just to kind of see that aspect of things. Then I was focusing on just getting some content with uh, all the latest gear of these players are rocking. A lot of these guys that had uh, fit changes from Australian Open. Um, yeah, we had some meetings. Uh, shout out to our partners at Fila, Bab-a-lot, um, Tennis Channel got to uh, kind of meet with their teams and discuss kind of what's to come and how we can uh, be better partners. So it was a lot of a lot of just meeting people that we've been working with via Zoom calls for the last two years. I hadn't traveled since 2019. So no, it was great to kind of meet these people that we've I've been working pretty closely with for the last few years. And I thought it was a, a big uh, opportunity for us and I'm glad we we got to do it.
0: Even if no one said that about the Crack Rackets podcast, just so you know, anytime anyone comes to me and says, aren't you on some podcasts? to say, yeah, I'm Nate Walrath." I'm like, yeah, you know me from Tennis Point Tuesdays uh, on the mini <laughs> break show. So no, I appreciate that. And yeah, it is certainly so nice to be able to go to events again, be in person. I know at the National Indoors to see all these coaches, all these players, there's just something to that atmosphere, even when it's the laid back qualifying rounds around one and two. Um, certainly there's an energy in the air and there are takeaways you have just from being there in person, seeing who the buzz is about, who all the fans are gravitating towards, I'm I want to explore all those thoughts for you as well. But of course, final thing I got to ask you about tennis point, talk about the latest gear, talk about the new fits. Obviously there's always going to be a rollout for the sunshine double. Uh, did we get talk, what, talk me through some of the best stuff.
1: No. So well, I'll run, I'll run you guys up to right now. We are currently in Hilton head Island at okay. the PTR spring, spring tennis fest. Um, so shout out to head. They uh, supported us on this uh, first of many grassroots tour destinations where we are helping college tennis, which is we're obviously going to be a big player in that field, um, trying to trying to help support crack dragons and college tennis and just everything that is so great about the atmosphere around the game um, at the collegiate level. So one thing we were able to do is get head tennis to send us all the latest rackets. I mean, they sent us the boom, radical, instinct, extreme, gravity, um speed they sent us everything they sent us the two best polyester strings that they that they carry the Head Hawk and the Head Links tour um the hawk being a softer string for a nice controlled pocket um and then the links tour being for more aggressive big big hitter um more durable string um so they gave us they situated we're situated pretty well here to uh support the uh, tournament here it's been fun to um just go to different venues on the island and uh, see all the, the different uh college teams out here it's Division one and division two, I think are here this week. Um, so it'll be, it'll be a fun day to get out there and uh, yeah, help educate and, and inform and give some uh, demos and some free string to these guys.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's a big spring break week, right? Uh, everyone's down there for yeah. the event. And so a couple of teams are playing.
1: Yeah. It's South Carolina. We've, I, I just got badly sunburned in California. So I was packing my, my sunscreen for, for uh, South Carolina and, Little did I know that we were going to be driving through a, 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 a blizzard, and it was like 42 degrees yesterday. But no, no complaints. Skies are blue. We're watching tennis. Life is good.
0: Yeah, it's it's probably like a again a sunny 42 degrees, a nice. It, it, it,
1: it, it, it's windy though, man. I'm telling you, like I, it was chilly, man. I was I was cold. Yeah. But my Nick, I'm here with Nick Linder, who's uh, my, probably the greatest stringer in the country. I mean, he's at eight minutes per racket, guys. If anybody can beat that let me know. Um, at Nate Walroth. DMs. Yeah. Yes, at Nate Walworth. We are definitely going to have a string off, and we'll see if anybody can compete with the guy because he is absolutely crushing it down here. Um, he got like 15 rackets done in like two hours in like 30 minutes yesterday. It was insane. So it was cool to watch all these college kids kind of stop and just kind of like drop their jaw in awe of how quickly he's moving up and down these. Um, but no, it's, yeah, it's it's been it's been fun, and I'm looking forward to this week.
0: Yeah, no. All right. Well, with all that said, again, tennis-point.com, that promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest equipment. And yeah, there is a lot of good stuff, folks. So be sure to go check that out. With all of that said, let's talk about Indian Wells and what we've seen over the course of these first few days. And we're going to focus on the men's side here on this show. But I mean, there's so many storylines for us to talk about. Do we start with Rafael Nadal getting pushed to the limits? Do we start, you know, with some of the many upsets we've seen unfold? I could argue that Hami Munar's victory over Pablo Carinobucha is actually more revealing than Tommy Paul's win over Alex Vera, but let's start there. Because obviously that's a top three seed getting knocked out, And you look for Tommy last night, who was down, you know, a, I think 4-2, 40-30, I want to say, in that third set to Alex Zverev. Tommy Paul working his way all the way back. 6-2, 4-6, 7-6 victory over the number three seeded Zverev. You look for Tommy Paul and what he's been able to do over the course of these past six months. A, and this yeah. is something we've talked about before, but I think this is where you have to start, You know, he's had a career high in the rankings. This isn't a one-off fluke. This isn't just a, hey, Tommy, who's always been as athletic as anyone he's going to come up against on the ATP tour, who's always had a bunch of weapons and a bunch of different tools that he can use uh, to find success on the court. It wasn't just one of those matches where everything happened to be clicking in. one off sort of performance. That wasn't the case here. That you look for what Tommy was able to do just across the board, and just you know from the start, to our Tommy Hall, his ability, to just, whether it's an a you know again you know, take it, take his return server you know at the service line, and be in aggressive positioning, and you know stand on top of on top of that baseline, and just dictate to zero and just use his speed, use his aggressiveness to move forward and play on his terms. Tommy was outstanding. And, yeah, I do think there was a little bit of that Zverev, you know, falling off, as he will do from time to time. At the same time, I mean, Nate, my takeaway from this match is Tommy is here to stay.
1: Tommy had a game plan, went out there and executed at a high level for, I mean, that was just ridiculous. I mean, he talked about it after his match a little bit. He knew what he wanted to do to beat Zverev, and he set out to do it and just stuck with it. I mean, he attacked, played forward, finished points at the net, unloaded on the forehand he, he made he made Zverev uh re- respect the backhand on the line um Tommy's movement is just continued to just get better and better I mean he's a freak athlete he's, he's under six foot but he hits the ball as I mean as big as almost anybody minus a few of the top seven eight guys that are like the Barrettinis of the world or the Felixes of the world but I mean Tommy Paul's firepower at it with his stature and the the smarts that he plays with I mean he just knows when to rip when when to neutralize the point. Uh his hands are great. He's his mentality is I mean, I just feel like he's he's pretty much unflappable now as far as a mentality standpoint. Um the serve is is very solid right now. He's in a great place. He seems to be having a ton of fun on the tour right now and um just awesome to see him Opelka and Fritz, three really close friends, um just kind of rise together. Uh Fritz was in his box last night thought that was really cool because Fritz actually had a practice session and a set with Zverev on Tuesday. So it wasn't like those guys are unfamiliar with each other. So he was in his box with Tommy showing his support. thought that was awesome. And Tommy seems to feed off the energy of the crowd. And the, cra- the crowd was obviously pulling for Tommy there. And I thought Tommy just – I mean, he's just been on a heater. And on a hard court right now, he's one of the most dangerous players in the world. So he's I'm, – I'm biased. I'm a huge Tommy Paul fan. But – I mean, it, yeah, last night was uh, pretty amazing. I was on Twitter Spaces with Pam Shriver for like an hour last night during that match, and mm-hmm. she was uh, she she was like saying how she, she was like I'm supposed to be uh, neutral on this as a as a broadcaster, but uh, go Tommy. I mean, she was she was all excited. So no, great night last night at Neil Wells. Uh, definitely wish I got to be at that one. Tommy Paul
0: since the start of Can- uh, the Canada Masters last year,
1: 31
0: and 13 overall. 31 and 13 overall, that's a 70% win percentage, Nate. And it's not as though it's been a cupcake schedule. You look for him as you break it down by ranking, you know, against opponents ranked outside the top 50, he's 20 and two, he is cleaning up against the opponents he should at this point. But then again, you look here against top 50 opponents for Tommy during this stretch, 11 and 11. You look for him against top 20 opponents during this stretch of time. Again, it's the consistent success for him. Five and four during that stretch. Wins over Rublev, Zverev, Berrettini, Shapovalov, and then Christian Garin in three sets, which is probably the match he should be winning the most out of the group. I mean, all the numbers for Tommy are up as well. You look at his break percentage during this course of time. It's laughable how well Tommy is returning serve right now. He's re- His break percentage since, again, the start of the Canada Masters, 27.7%. That number ranks eighth amongst top 50 players. Eighth during that stretch of time. Same. So not only is he returning at a top 10 level, but the serve, which is still below the average, Of all of these, you know, top 50 players, he's still, you know, at 80.6% over the last 52 weeks, that's a percent below the average of a top 50 player. That said, he's 3% above his career average, and it gets better and better and better. And you're starting to see the elite return skills. If he could just make it, you know, again, a a top 50 average serve, you know, be 25th in, in hold percentage, that's a top 15 player. That's a top 20 player. And I do think while everyone knew Tommy has always been gifted, he's had a broad skill set. He has found a way to put it together and use his athleticism to be inside the court, use his, you know, how he's might be the best volleyer, uh, you know, of certainly the Americans, but he's one of the best volleyers in my opinion in men's time. He's just so comfortable, not only, you know, quick hands, but comfortable with his first volley, comfortable reading at the net, obviously the explosiveness as well. He's Overhead's a complete great. package, and it's just so exciting to see him put it all – yeah, it's so
1: exciting to see him put it all together. No, and he's in tremendous shape. I mean, the guy's put in a ton of work. I mean, I thought uh, Pam Schreiber was just saying, now oh, it's been so cool to see him dedicate himself 365, day, 365 days a year to tennis, which I think is uh, probably what put him over the edge. I mean, he was pushing on the – he was knocking on the door as being a top 50 player. And then all of a sudden, once he knocked the door and, and opened it, it's like the floodgates open, and – He looks like a guy that's just going to continue to keep climbing Uh, inside. He's inside the top 40. I mean, I expect him with the way he's playing to be inside the top 30 uh, in no time, which is just ridiculous. So, no, I mean, for him, Opelka and Fritz, to all be where they are, pretty awesome for uh, American tennis and uh, as well as a slew of other guys that uh, showed out in Indian Wells. I mean, even, even, I mean, Wolf, I mean, Wolf had chances against RBA in a a thriller, three-set thriller, had two match points. Uh, Jack Stock as well against Poss. Had had numerous chances there with his massive forehand. So American tennis, I mean, Corda obviously, with Nadal. It's just uh, Brooksby rips Hatchinov 0-3 or something, or 0-4, and just cl- just cleans him off the court. So, I mean, it's these guys are out. I mean, the ATP tour is just loaded right now, and the Americans are stepping up to the plate. And, yeah, they're believing in themselves, and it's it's been awesome to watch.
0: So let me ask you this, because I think this is a fascinating question. Who's your best American man right now?
1: Taylor Fritz, right now, I think you take Fritz over Tommy. I uh, I know, yeah. So I know I know Paul got Fritz in Stockholm at the end of last year, mm-hmm. but like I don't know. Fritz is just yeah. The serve the serve is the difference. I mean, I think Fritz is very solid off the ground. His backhand is sick. His forehand is blitzing the forehand. He's serving in the one thirties. Uh, he, I don't think he's as good moving forward and closing points as as Tommy has shown, but I mean, yeah, Fritz is. Um, I think that's the guy that I'm. I'm going to pick for now. But I think, I, yeah, I think all of these guys are closing. I just think Fritz has kind of proved it against these top guys a little, a little more. Yeah,
0: Fritz is probably still the surest well, well, to- thing,
1: right? Because of
0: because of the serve, because of the weapons, just the firepower he can bring. But I think what's so enjoyable about this group, and I apologize if I cut you off, is just how broad the skill sets are, how different each one of these guys are as well, right? Opelka, who is the highest ranked of the group right now and has clearly shown his serve, has taken another jump here this season. He's holding like 95% of the time, which is just like, again, that's above Prime Isner, above Prime Karlovich, above Prime Federer, above everyone, if you hold 95% of the time, And you're not a top 20 player you are horrible at tennis like come on and so
1: it's
0: he is he's a top 20 player like he his serve is now elite of the elite of the elite and obviously he's got the other skills to match that up fritz is the most classic of the tennis players right big serves big forehands plays big i also just think for fritz things have slowed down for him like you can just tell unless you are hitting a 90 percent ball at him at the baseline he looks at your shot and goes Why that's cute. Watch what I can do. And he just unloads down the line or unloads cross court, does something funky there. But Tom, and, and by the way, I think the two I've always compared in this next gen, original next gen trio for the Americans are Tommy and Francis, because athletically, they're the two best of the group. They just have the speed. They have the fluidity. They have the broad skill sets, the creativity, the flair for improvisation.
1: Yeah, Paul's But there's just strange. less
0: moving parts to Tommy's game than there is for Francis. Like, again, Tommy doesn't have the forehand that Francis has, which, like, just serve after serve after serve is going to go into that Francis forehand. Tommy doesn't have that issue. I already went through the break percentage, 27.8. Are you kidding me? And so, oh, I, I that's why I say Brooksby.
1: What about Brooksby
0: and Korda? Like a, yeah. Brooksby yesterday looked at Karen Hatchnov and was like, hmm. Eh. That's cute. Like, well, you think you can beat me? You can't. And he just he doesn't miss ever. And then Corda is up five, two in the third on the doll. Like again, this is why I'm so sorry I haven't had the chance to podcast to all of you listeners because I got some takes I need to share. And I know we're blending things here, but you you mentioned JJ Wolf looking great. And you know, again. We've had the Kozlov resurgence as well. And go watch the Futures circuit. Some of these guys are on the rise. I thought Nakashima played a pretty good match yesterday yeah, as well. Sure. Socks still yeah. solid. Isn't still in this event? How about Stevie freaking Johnson who doesn't lose Indian Wells matches anymore? He wins the 2020 <laughs> challenger there. He just like this court, his forehand rips through it. And if you give him more time on a slow hard court, he just has time to run around the ball and hit forehands. He can look yeah. this good. The Americans are exceptional. And so I, I avoided your question there. I, if hmm, one match, if it's a tournament to decide it all, I'll take Fritz, I think, as well, just because the steadiness and it just feels like he's the surest thing of the group. But man, on the right day, you have seven different Americans who all look like they can be the best American man in tennis. And they also look like on that day, they're also a top 20 player, which is just, we haven't had like seven top 20 guys since the 90s. I think we have seven top 20 guys out there right now. Now they're not consistently top 20, but they have the ability to become top.
1: Certainly. Is it, are we recommending to young juniors out there looking to improve their, their movement and footwork that they just tear their MCL and then have surgery and try to come back in six weeks and then they're off to go? Is that is that the whole? Is that the thing that Fritz has shown young juniors in, in America? It's just. I like, actually heard I the
0: USCA put out a tutorial uh, showing the safest way possible to do that.
1: <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make sense. He comes off this injury, and he looks to be in the most, the best shape of his career. And I mean, the way he's pushing out of the corners and covering ground. Uh, at his height, six six is—it's been a lot of fun to watch. I think that's been the, the big difference in his game. I mean, Brooksby—the guy just understands how to win tennis matches. I mean, he's not like—he's not going to try to blitz you off the court with just—but he's just going to outsmart you. He's going to make you hit uncomfortable shots. He's going to just continue to make balls and grind you down until you're just so flustered you don't want to be on the court anymore. And watching Brooksby play is just—I mean, it's popcorn. You got to watch it. Brooksby versus Poss in the next round—that is. Showtime. Um, like you said, I mean, top tiapo great match against Nakashima. Thought he was looking pretty clean. Um, plays Rublev next, a matchup that he's he's fared pretty well in uh, in recent memory. Uh, yeah, I mean, you had Stevie Johnson. I mean, tearing through carrot seven straight sets, that's an unbelievable win. And yeah, Opelka, I mean, that matchup with Denis Shapovalov, a matchup that he's, he's won. Um, I believe, I think he leads that head-to-head. But yeah, the Americans, like you said, I think Seven Americans in the top 30, 40 uh, within, at the end of this calendar year is uh, not hard to fathom when you look, look across the board at how well they're all playing.
0: What was so impressive for Tommy was, again, how comfortable he was just attacking the Zverev second serve. And he wasn't afraid of the moment. He wasn't afraid of the scene. And look, the jury is out. I mean, you know, it has been for a while, but everyone is doing this to Zverev now. And you look for Zverev, who made 71 percent of his first serves, won 78 percent of his first serve points for the third time. in an Indian Wells was up a break with the chance to go up even further uh, and isn't able to capitalize. He has struggled on the slow, hardcore, just, again, finding ways to maintain his aggression and not getting stuck playing 12 feet behind the baseline, which always seems to be the issue for a tentative Alex Zverev. And Zverev is struggling on the court right now. There's no denying that. He just does not have his form. But I know we're Americans, and so we're going to obviously be a bit biased towards the American men. But it was just how— Insignificant, this win feels like Am I crazy? I know we just said it was an awesome win for Tommy, obviously, one of the wins of his career, and coming off of an Indian Wells last year where he beat Andre Rublev here. But I'm not surprised by this upset because if you watch Tommy outside of a 40 minute blip, really, from the second set to Zverev being up a break in the third, where Zverev looked like the potential best player in the world, you know, and no discredit to Tommy, Tommy was the better player for the majority
1: of this match. I mean. Tommy was not going to let Zverev just let let him settle in on that 68 mile an hour second serve. I mean, Tommy yeah. was like, if you're gonna if you're gonna feed me a softball, I'm gonna feed this thing, Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go crazy with this ball. And Tommy's not afraid to swing out of his shoes. I mean, he's he's got the firepower to, to do some real damage. And Zverev just continues to to go from 130 miles an hour in the first to 68, 72 miles an hour in the second. I just don't think you can do that at this level when you're playing guys that can take cuts. And they don't really feel the pressure. I mean, if they miss one, they know they're going to They have a look at another one. I mean, it's just, that's asking a lot. So, um, no, I think Tommy is, I mean, he's, what is he? What do you think his ceiling is? Top what? Top? You think he can get top 20?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think if Tommy maintains this level of focus and commitment, why not? Athletically, it's never been a question. I don't think from a skill set standpoint, it's ever been a question. And that is, again, what is so exciting about the Americans right now is that, and we have definitely, you know, I get made fun of because is the standard now to be good or is the standard to have Grand Slam champions? Well, you can't have Grand Slam champions until you have a bunch of guys who are good. And right now we do have a bunch of guys who are good. And I just think if you have Six players seated at a Grand Slam. Let's look at the 2026 U.S. Open. At the 2026 U.S. Open, which is 40 years from now, shouldn't all of and you know, or maybe the 2025, because now all the 97s are 28 years old. But during that, at that U.S. Open, shouldn't Fritz Opelka, Tommy Paul, Francis Tiafo, Riley Opelka, uh, I think I said Opelka, excuse me, Jensen Brooksby, Sebastian Corda, six guys, Shouldn't they all be Tiafoe, seated yeah. at that U.S. Open? Like, wouldn't it be a shock if they aren't, you know, those six, the uh, 397s, Tiafo has the 98, Brooksby, Corda yep. seated as well. Obviously, I think Brandon's in the mix there. Like, he could be hovering yep. around 30, 32 maybe, or, you know, inside that top 50 range. Who knows if Isner's still serving at that point? Like, if he is, he's probably still the 29 seed in the event. Um, but yep. it's just like... Shouldn't we have six seeds? And if you have six seeds, shouldn't you get at least two of them into the round of 16? And if you get two guys into the round of 16, don't things just become inherently more interesting? Like this is why I know it's baby steps and we're not we're not close to even an Andy Roddick right now, let alone a Sampras or an Agassi or a Curry or a Chang, a guy who rips off a couple of majors. But it's not the depressed era anymore. Like you see Tom Paul no. into the round of 64 here. And, you know, again, I think at least one American should make the quarterfinals at Indian Wells, given how many guys have made these later stages and given how open that bottom half of the draw feels right now. Now that there are, I believe, no top five players left in the bottom half. And you've still got, yeah, Isner, Johnson, Tiafo, Fritz, Paul, all still in that bottom half of the draw. Like one of them's got to make the quarters. But we get guys in the quarters. Like, guys are making the final stages.
1: The way, Like, the thing that impresses me most with these guys that you just named is the way they carry themselves on the court through matches. Sure. Like, the demeanor that they, that they have throughout the match, even when things are going bad, the, the belief that they continue to have in their game, that's the difference. Like, as an a American tennis fan myself, I mean, that's where I see the biggest difference is, like, these guys, like, Corda, he believed that he is on that level, that he can hang tag for tag with Rafa Nadal on a hard court where Rafa has yet to lose a match this season where it's like Corda was not like he wasn't impressed that he was up and ready to serve up for the match. I mean, he expected to be there. Brooksby, same thing. I mean, he sees Karen Hatchinov who's been a top 25 guy for a while. It's like, that's nothing. He's going to rip you six. 0 and he's going to take a bag off you Opelka. He's not impressed with, I mean, he's, he believes in his serve and his getting to a tiebreaker and taking you down. It's like all these guys believe that they are here and can, can really take down anybody. It doesn't matter if it's, Rafa Nadal, or if we see Novak Djokovic compete again, um, or Medvedev. So that's been awesome. But looking at this this uh, slate coming up, what matches on the men's side are you most hyped about? I mean, I wrote down I, – I, I wouldn't write down my top three. But I, I couldn't even get it down to three. I'm like, there's like five matches on here that are just going to be popcorn.
0: Oh, such good tennis across the board. I mean, you could start – with even like the two thirty seeds remaining, Dimitrov versus Bublik, right? 31 versus 33. And I feel like I could talk you, Nate, into that match being pretty exciting because like Sasha Bublik, the shot making, the big serves, the drop volleys, the drop shots, whatever it may be, Dimitrov, the fluidity, the speed, that serve into that backhand, like that one's going to be fun. And you look across the board, by the way, I think our only non-seeds remaining are Mimir Kecmanovic, who... Hasn't lost a first round match this year, former World Junior number one's 12 and five and made that run in Australia and has clearly, clearly found things to click after 17 and 20 and 7, uh 17 and 27 last season where he lost 14 first round matches. Great to see him healthy. I think Kesmenovich is just a ball machine. Like I think that's a guy whose floor match in, match out, can be just top 40 you joining. don't have. A, yeah, if you, if you have a, if you don't have a top 40 uh, a top weapon, like you just can't hurt him. He's just so solid off both wings and it just screams IMG Academy for the record. Just again, a ball (laughs) machine. Um, But then like across the board, Opelka Shapovalov, Australian Open rematch, Kyrgios Rude, let's settle our Twitter beefs, folks. If you like Ooh. big serves, Baratini Harris. If you like the low key, Kasmanovic versus Botick Vanderson sculpt. If you want athleticism, Demon Hour versus Tommy Paul. How the hell is anyone going to hit a winner on this Indian Wells court in a Demon Hour Tommy Paul match? Like, I don't know. Tiafo Rublev, little US Open rematch love. Schwarzman Isner, collective 12 feet on the court. One guy's seven foot tall, the other guy's five foot tall. Like, you're right. And then Rafa Dan Evans is like the JV version of Rafa versus Federer for all those people who miss that match and are feeling a bit nostalgic. So you're right. Look across the board. It's, it's a ridiculous. loaded draw. And I didn't even mention Medvedev, right? And Daniel Medvedev's got Guillaume Monfils, Alcaraz versus Bautista Agut. We actually yeah, all, have how about, oh, like, matchup, yeah. how about we didn't mention the Indian Wells Finals rematch between Cam Norrie and Nicolas Basilevsky, which no one cares about. That is it's just, like, that is
1: bizarre. That that's, is, like,
0: can't, yeah, that's, like, the that warm-up act. It's the warm-up act. And, like, Brooks v. Pass. come on! It's... It's ridiculous. It's it really is right now. And you look, by the way, just via our friends at Tennis Abstract, favorites right now to win the event. And this is interesting to me. Daniel Medvedev, 27.2%. He's your clear-cut favorite. Still the favorite over a Rafael Nadal, who's at 10.9%. Then you get to Andre Rublev, seven, uh, excuse me, 10% uh there for the number seven seed. And it's because obviously Zverev, out of his section of the draw, he's I guess got the easiest section left. I think they're all pretty tough after that who is fourth right now in terms of the tennis abstract uh forecast to win this event curious if you can guess it
1: give me um you want to they're always they're gonna disrespect uh no give me college tennis cam north
0: um I. I'm going to say you're that's, wrong. That's yes, disrespectful. That's a good guess, but no. That's, give me give me Rublev. Rublev. That is disrespectful. It's Yannick Sinner. It, no. So wow. Rublev was third, we 10%. About it. Yannick Sinner, 7.3%. Okay. Okay. Then, yeah, then exactly. And by the way, he's wow. got Benjamin Bolzinex, the Frenchman who has had an outstanding run on the challenger circuit over the past 14 months. But, you know, you favor Sinner. In that match, then guess who center pace is the winner of Curios and rude. Like we're getting all the seeds, you know, all the, the upset era that we've all been enjoying. It's kind of over. And you just look at this field. And I know I'm beating a, a, a dead horse here because I don't think anyone's disputing this point anymore, but just look at the age group of this guy. Like you, these guys, you have over 30 left in the draw, RBA, Monfils, Ba/Vili, Nadal, I think Dan Evans is over 30 as well, but, you know, pretty close to it. Stevie Johnson, Isner, seven guys over 30. The rest of this round of 32, they're all young. They're all 25, 26 years old or 22, 23 years old. The next gen is here. Like, look at this draw. And why it's so exciting is that no one has separated themselves. We're still working through the hierarchy. Who are the guys to beat? Yes, Medvedev's in the pole position, of course. And, you know, Tsitsipas, Zverev, certainly Sinner, Alcaraz. You feel like those are the guys we're probably going to be chasing if you're a tour player over the next decade. But it's not definitive yet. And, like, you still have Rafa in the mix, too. It's just a really fun event.
1: Botic tig I Dessenshoek, that's a guy's name that's going to be tough on me forever. But the fact that he, what he did against Felix, Yassim, who's been playing some of the best tennis of uh, anybody on the tour, that was just an amazing all bab pure-arrow matchup right there. Uh, that was a matchup. Why don't we have not shut it up? I mean, giving me, like, three upsets to look forward to this next round. If I can circle, if I'm, if I'm going to put some bets in today, not saying I'm a gambling man, Give me three ups give, give me two upsets that you could circle as a potential something that you see unraveling for one of these top seeds. Well, are we talking upsets
0: by tennis abstract? Or are we talking upsets by seed? We're
1: yeah Vegas. We're talking about Vegas upsets.
0: Okay, so Shapovalov is probably favored against Opelka. Opelka, though, will be a tennis abstract at so 52.3% favorite. And Shepo, I just think –
1: Olive is minus 103. Riley is minus 114.
0: Oh, so Riley is the favorite. They agree. that Riley's the, the favorite. That's what the numbers would suggest. And the big serving and Riley lost the last time they played. That's an interesting one. Kyrgios versus Rude is interesting, though, on this surface. You just feel like it's going to be really hard for Kyrgios to sustain the aggression for as long as he'll have to to wear down Casper Rude. I mean, Alcaraz is going to be favored over RBA –
1: Ooh, Monfils Medvedev is interesting. Plus 525. You got some odds right there to work with, my friend, if you want that one.
0: Fritz Munar, do you take Munar? Who's favorite? Give me,
1: hey, I know who I want. Well, what's the Tommy Hour matchup? Brooksby.
0: Oh. Tommy
1: Demon, you got Tommy, wow, you won't believe this. Demonauer, minus 108, Tommy Paul, minus 109. They got my guy Tommy Paul with a (laughs) one-point, $1 $1 uh favorite right there. It's a
0: stay away. You want to know my advice? It's stay away. I'd be like, I don't want any part of this. Stay away. I just want to watch it and Play enjoy it. Let's... Oh, is Bublik the underdog against him? Is Bublik the underdog against him? What about
1: Tiopo? Do you think Tiapo taking down Rublev? Um, Bublik is the, yes, Bub- 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 Bub is the underdog. Yes, Bublik is the underdog. I mean, all of these matches, most of these matches, Vegas has as a toss-up, which is pretty crazy.
0: Public, at, at public as the underdog is the one I enjoy the most, I would say. I like that. Um, I like that. I, that's probably my favorite. But well, there you have it,
1: folks. Those I mean, again, today.
0: it's... I, yeah, it's exactly. But like, again, you look at some of these matchups, RBA beat Wolf 7-6 in the third. Tsitsipas beat Jack Sox, 7-6 in the third. Nadal over Corda 7-6 in the third. You know, Isner over Query, 6-6. and Munar over Carino Busta, 7-6 in the third. Kasmenovic over Chilich, 7-6 in the third. It's tight freaking margins across the board. With all that said, Nate Dog. last question for you. Your favorite heading into this final or, you know, this second week of Indian Wells. Who you give got? Me,
1: give me Carlos Alcaraz taking home his first Masters 1000 title.
0: See, that's the spice we're looking for, my friend. I don't think it's a bad pick. Like, I don't I can't disagree. I don't think there's a clear-cut favorite. Medvedev on this surface is not definitively better than anyone. Rafa's undefeated, but we just saw Quarter beat him. And you feel like at some point the Levy's gonna break, right? Like at some point someone's gonna beat Rafa. Uh six, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a really uh, fun tournament.
1: I can't wait to recap it uh, when it's all said and done next next week on the, on the podcast. But um, no, I mean, what a tournament, though. And it's, yeah, it's going to be a movie. Shout out to the Devils teams. Love to see uh, the Isner and Sock, Curious, mm-hmm. Kakanakis matchup. That was a lot of fun. On the women's side, I'm excited for the Makoko versus Tomlanovich and Sakari matchup. I'm, I, I don't know. I, I hope doubles gets a spotlight because it's, it's a lot of fun to watch those guys go at it. But no, Kruskin. Appreciate you having me. Awesome, uh, awesome show to be out here and talking about Indian Wells. One of the best tournaments in the world.
0: Always a pleasure. Well, with all of that said, again, as always, it's going to be a two mini break Monday here as we try to play catch up on all of the action. I will be back later today to chat with David Kane about everything happening on the women's side. I'm sure I will get his thoughts on some of the men's action as well. And of course, we will now be back every day. My guarantee to all of you listeners, we're going to be talking all things Indian Wells, recapping all of the action. If the gods are kind to me, maybe we will be offering some picks for all of you listeners as well on the GSP. Again, I know I'm playing catch up here. That's what I want to do for all of you listeners. I appreciate you joining me, Nate Dog, to help me do so. And now I want to give you the chance one more time. Where can everyone listen to the show? What should people be looking for at Tennis Point?
1: Yeah, check us out, Pure Tennis Podcast, on Spotify, on your other platforms. You can follow us on Instagram. We're pretty active, posting a lot of clips from Indian Wells and uh, the Hilton Head Action. Uh, you guys can find me at Nate Walworth um, on Instagram, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, follow us on social media. Tennis underscore point underscore USA. Um, tennis point on TikTok. We're everywhere. But uh, yeah, shout out to Tennis Point USA and give, give them a follow. Yeah.
0: I'll. I like it. Well, with all that said, as always, a shout-out to Super Producer Daniel Westoff for the job he does day in, day out, making this podcast possible. Shout-out to our friends at tennis point, Tennis-Point.com. The promo code is CR15 with all of that said for... My fantastic co-host, Nate with, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I am your host, Alex Gross, and Nate Dogg, what do we tell the people?
1: That's the break. Shout out to the Westoff family. Congratulations we on, on the newborn. Much love,
0: guys. I love it. And we and we will see you all next week. Thanks, as always, Nate Dog.